Joe Bunazar and, and with Impact Basketball. We're really excited to partner with Coaching You Live and Coach uh, Brendan Fair and Kevin Eastman with our certification program. We've put together an online program for player development, uh, over 17 hours of video that we feel will really change the way players are developed and, and be very, very helpful to coaches, trainers, parents all over the world. So really excited to partner with Coaching You Live. Uh, we've, we've put a special deal together with Coaching You Live to provide a discount code of Coaching You Live entered in our promo code, all lowercase, Coaching You Live at our website, impactbball.com, impactbball.com. If you click on Get Certified, and you can go right to the page to get signed up, enter that Coaching You Live code, and you will receive the discount. But really excited. It's a great program. I think that it's going to change the way players are developed. That's been our mission since we started uh, training players 18 years ago, and it continues to be our mission. Welcome to another podcast of Coaching You with the coach, Brendan Sir, and my dear friend, my longtime friend, uh, Coach Eric Musselman from the University of Nevada, Wolfpack. How are you, E? I'm doing great, Brendan. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, this is going to be great. Uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes when I do podcasts with people, I know the coach really well. Other guests we've had, I have never met the person before. Uh, this is a fun one because we're such close friends and have been for years. Uh, we won't go into background per much, but now that, you know, you came at the end of May and you took over the University of Nevada program, Tell our listeners who are, you know, coaches at the high school, college level who are taking over men's and women's programs, what was your first plan of action? Well, the first plan of attack, Brendan, was we had to recruit our current players. Uh, That was the number one priority. Uh, We had nine guys coming back. uh, So it was really, really important that we got with each of them, individual meetings, uh, we laid out a career year plan on what we envisioned each of those guys doing from an individual standpoint and then collectively what we expected uh, of the team going forward over the next 12 months. And then we came up with an idea that we also wanted to give them a sheet of paper of what we want our postseason meeting to look like after the year. So we kind of fast-forward 12 months uh, from the day that we had the meeting and said, hey, we hope when we meet a year from now, here's what we're saying about our program, here's what we're saying about you as an individual player. And in order to do all that, uh, basically the preparation leading up to the original interview to get the job really prepared us uh, to have these meetings. So what we did is from the time the athletic director uh, placed the phone call that there was going to be an interview, uh, we just spent night and day watching as much film as we possibly could uh, on the current team, um, whether it was games that they struggled in, games that they lost down the stretch the last three to four minutes of the basketball game, and tried to gather as much intel on not only the program but also intel on each and every player and try to come up with an individual plan for them. You know, having known you and worked with you as well as coached against you for years, um, the thing that I've always admired and uh, known to be uh, what I perceived as a strength from you and uh, what you mentioned there uh, was your uncanny ability to prepare, uh, your incredible work ethic. Uh, you're probably, of all the people I know in the world, which are 
many, uh, probably have the most energy of anyone I know. Uh, you kept saying, you kept saying the word we, but at that point, it was really me, meaning you alone, because it was you preparing to go get the job. I know you're an inclusive guy, I know all that, and you're a team guy, but at that point, this was just you preparing all this, correct? It was, Brennan, and you know, as, as, you mentioned, you know, really the people that we are around and learn from, and I'm not saying this because you're on, many people have heard me say this, when you're fortunate to work with people like yourself, like Chuck Daly, you pick up little things, and, and one of the little things is never use the word I, which I've tried to completely eliminate yeah. uh, from our vocabulary when we're talking about our basketball team. I think that's that's huge, and uh, like I'm watching the finals getting ready to play tomorrow. The thing I've been amazed at listening to LeBron speak for the last, you know, since the playoffs started is everything's me. Everything's about him. It's really, um, and it sticks out. It's like uh, it's like chalk on the, you know, the fingernails on the chalkboard, and uh, and and it, you know, and he he's outwardly just saying, "This is me. I did this. My team, and you know, and, and it's so foreign to what we're used to, you know. And 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 when people do that, it's so different. Now, you're when you put their staff together. Every time I look, you're hiring another person. Okay, how'd you go about looking? you know, and knowing where to find a lot of these people, and how many of them did you know, and how many of them are new to you? Brennan, that's, you know, that's that's been probably the, the most difficult, uh, gut-wrenching decisions are who is your staff? It's the most important decisions that you can make as a basketball coach, a football coach, a major league baseball coach, a college baseball coach, an AAU, whoever's surrounded by you becomes part of you. And uh, we've basically gone out and hired people that I did not know at all, uh, mm -hmm. which is very, very new for me. Um, you know, I had a great staff with the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, I was fortunate to get a guy who played for me in Keith Smart and someone that worked with both you and I in Orlando and Tom Sterner, who I had known um, Phil Hubbard, who had played for my father and was a longtime NBA player, was on that staff. Uh, coach Hank Egan, who was my college coach mm -hmm. and had worked under Coach Popovich. So that Warrior staff, we were so well connected, and that's why we had a 17-game improvement in the first year. Um, coach Egan retired. We had a little bit changing of the staff, and it was a little bit harder. And then when I went to Sacramento, I probably did – about as bad a job as I could putting together a staff. And it showed on the floor probably. I look back at all the places I've coached, and the one regret that I have is, is, is the year in Sacramento. I, did, I didn't do a good job as a coach. I didn't do a good job putting my staff together. And so it was really hard at Nevada uh, to go through a process and hire a group of coaches that you haven't worked with. But what I had to do is I had to ask myself, what are my strengths as a person, as a coach? What are my weaknesses? And the one area, I, I wasn't overly worried about the X and O's. I wasn't worried about energy, effort, enthusiasm. What I was worried about is I had never closed a deal 
recruiting uh, to the outside world. I think, Brendan, that you understand mm-hmm. uh, that we all recruited at the minor league level, but, but sure. people don't understand how hard it was recruiting at the minor league level. Um, so I wanted to surround myself with people uh, that could help me in, in my area that lacked experience, was, which was college recruiting. And so we went out and got three excellent recruiters, um, so many people that I would have looked to hire if it was only basketball, but with the academic part of it and the recruiting aspect, we had to go that route, and I think we got lucky in who we, who we ended up with. What did, now, uh, in, let's take that part. Okay, uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, self-evaluation, uh, people really understanding who they are. Uh, who is Eric Musselman? You're asking who I am? Yes, sir. <laughs> I know who you are, but I'm, or I know who you are. Your wife knows who you are. Your kids do, uh, but and my son does. But you know, who are you for the our fifty thousand or so of our closest friends that are listening? <laughs> well, Brendan, I, I I hope I hope that number one, I'm a great father and a great husband, and I think that. You know, thank you, Base. Through years of, you know, as you get older and, and I look back and, and in my eyes, my father was the greatest dad in the world. I mean, he was my idol. I, I hung on every word he said. He was there for me. He came to all my games when he could. Um, and it's hard trying to be a great dad when you don't live in the same city. So in other words, last yeah. year I'm Baton Rouge. And I got my son in in the Bay Area, and that's hard. It's really hard to focus on your job and be a dad. But but number one, who am I? I hope uh, that at the end of the day people say, man, he was an unbelievable dad to his two sons and his daughter, and he loved his wife so much. Um, that's the that's the number one thing. And then and then I think from a from a coach, the biggest thing is I hope that the, that our players at Nevada. And I know our players in the D League at the NBA level, I, I think that those guys almost to a man felt, you know what, I increased my value or I got better playing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned what work ethic is. I learned what preparation is. I learned that you've got to get reps on your own, shooting, ball handling. And I became a better basketball player, and I learned how to function in the w- real world because of the discipline, because of the work ethic, because of the preparation, I can now function outside of basketball better than before I came to this program or played for this particular coaching staff. Why do you coach? Well, I, <laughs> if I wanted to be completely transparent, because I don't know anything else. Well, no, I I, <laughs> but I know I know better. I know better. With none of, uh, you and I are the two smartest coaches that are dumbasses in the rest of our life. But no, no. But I think this is really important. Uh, you know uh, why? Why do you coach? And I think m- many guys uh, and gals uh, really struggle with answering that to me. But the really great coaches, they get it. It just oozes out of their body. But tell us why do you coach? I coach number one because I want to have an impact on people's lives. And, I, you know, again, if, if I was coaching baseball uh, or coaching football. Oh, I'd I, love I, you. I you'd, think... be a great, you'd be a great football coach. <laughs> I'm 
might change gears. Maybe I'll go <laughs> over the football staff and ask if I could volunteer this year. Polian better watch out. Uh, <laughs> but I, the big thing is is having an impact on people. And, again, I don't think it's any different than if you were teaching in the classroom. Right. Uh, it's no different than if you're a father. I mean, your job is to try to put people in the best situation to succeed as a basketball coach, that means between the lines. Uh, when, when, when you're coaching at the college level, it means preparing them for the next 40 years of their life. When you're coaching in the NBA, as you know better than anyone, Brendan, it's about how can you impact that player where you can help him from a financial standpoint. Because at the NBA level, no matter what we say, it's a business. So I think as a pro coach, your job is how can I help player X become more financially secure for his family down the road. And so when guys like Gilbert Arenas get huge contracts from basically their rookie second year deal to making upwards of $80 million, that is impactful. That makes me feel good years later. Man, I had an impact on Gilbert and helped him understand maturity and helped him understand what a good shot is and what a bad shot is. And, yeah, it wasn't always easy, but – that was a huge impact for a young man at, at, at his age and helped him and his family from a financial situation. And so all those things, and then when you look at the minor leagues and and you can go to a player like Gerald Green and say, hey, Gerald, you've just been called up to the New Jersey Nets. Don't ever come back. Believe in yourself. You're an NBA starter, even though you're in the D League. Our staff thinks you're an NBA starter, and you got to believe that. And then you see a guy go and do that, uh, and the smile and the look. And you've been there, Brendan. Oh, it's when powerful. you tell a minor league, it's the most powerful thing that can happen in the sport, to m- in my mind, is telling a guy, hey, your hard work, your sacrifice of not going overseas and, and making less money and the bus rides. And you know what, man, you just got called up, and you're now an NBA player. To see a player reach his dreams, there's nothing better. I was just going to say you were many times a dream maker, and that's whether it's for your own children or for your players or your extended family. It's a very powerful thing to be able to do for people's lives. Eric, what, why do you coach the way you coach? And I want, don't want anyone to misinterpret that. We all coach to our own style, so it's not a judgmental question. You coach a certain way. Uh, Belichick coaches a certain way, Shashevsky, uh, Bob Knight, uh, Billy Donovan, Does, uh, doesn't matter. Uh, why do you coach the way you coach? You know, the, 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 when I was a head coach at 23, Brendan, one of the first things that my dad told me was, you've got to be yourself. Um, and I've heard from so many people. And I think that the first time I heard it was from Coach Daly about the players' antennas and how the players' antennas can figure things out so quickly. And so the way I coach, I coach with great intensity. I coach with great passion. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm into every single possession offensively and defensively. Um, I admire some coaches uh, that can let the flow go a little bit and, and sit back and um, we want to give our players great, great freedom. We want them to uh, play as if there's not a coach on the sidelines, but from 
someone that would be a spectator and watching, um, you know, I am going to be somebody, and I've always been somebody that, that just has such great passion uh, regarding every possession because, as you and I both know, first possession in the game can be just as important as the last two-minute possessions, and we are always looking at late-game situations, and I think there's too much slippage that happens early in games uh, when there's scoring runs and such, and so uh, that's why I coach the way that I yeah. coach. Eric, how do you, how do you how does it feel to, you, to be coached by in other words, by you. How do you think it feels? If you're a player and you're playing for you, how do you think it feels to be coached by you? What's the, what's going through that kid? Like, the, uh, you know, whether it be uh, the kids that you had at LSU this year. It's, it's difficult, I know, as an assistant. But uh, the kids like Gilbert, you know, in Golden State and the different kids that you've had uh, over the years. How do you think it feels to be coached by you? You know, I think the number one thing is, uh, man, he really cares. Mm. I think I think that you know, as we've had exit meetings over the course of of of, of our coaching career, and we've gotten to sit down and, and and we've asked guys like, hey, what what can I do better? Where did we slip? Uh, what do we need to do going forward? Uh, evaluate myself as a head coach evaluate our assistant coaches one of the first things that 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 i've heard is man you really care and when you care as much as you do and prepare us for our upcoming opponents or prepare for practice we all know and understand what the practice plans how much detail it is then you know what if we don't agree with something down the road as a group it still gets back to the care factor and all of us, we make mistakes every single day, and we make mistakes in practice. And and um, I think that you can get away with a lot more as a coach of, of those mistakes if the players really believe that you have their best interest at heart and you really, really care about them, not only as players, but probably more important, you care about them as people. And, and when you take a guy like Jason Richardson – uh, to a football game like I did to go watch the 49ers play and you get to sit and eat popcorn and have a Diet Coke with them and you get to talk in a non-threatening, in-your-office type environment, those those things have last lasting meanings to the player and to the coach. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and this is one of the things I always love to ask uh, terrific coaches is, <laughs> you know, would you want to play for yourself? I, I would, but, you know, I think yeah. that, oh. um, you know, you've got to. And why, and why then? Yeah, and why? Yeah. I would want to play for myself because all the little things matter, um, meaning how hard you play, you know, do you attend every class, do you put in the effort in study hall. If you do all those things at a place like Nevada, you're going to get rewarded, and it doesn't matter your size, your weight. It really gets down to effort, enthusiasm, mm-hmm. doing the right thing, and so I would want to play for somebody like that. Having said that, I'm also, I hope, smart enough to understand that talent still wins games as well. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, but I think, uh, you know, it's that 
mixing of you know talent alone uh you know is uh, th- that's the price of admission but you know those other things and uh and then are you recruiting the right kind of players or you're drafting the right kind of players if in your pro ball or whatever uh but i think uh, i think that is exactly who you are and that's why you're so successful eric would you um talk about player development is a huge issue in the college world and the pro world, frankly. Um, what are some keys uh, to getting a player to believe in you that you can develop him? What, what, what do you think, you know, where does that go? Or how? why are you successful, really, in player development? That's a, maybe a, whichever way you want to go with that. Uh, you know, I th- we had a meeting, Brendan, about three weeks ago, and I, I told all of our guys – uh, all of our guys on staff, I said, I want each of you to do a mind map. And I, I got this idea. I was reading some draft board, and they had a thing called a mind map on, on guys. And it, it's basically got tentacles on the player's strengths, weaknesses. And, and so what, we, what we're doing is we're doing one for each guy. So I think before our guys come back to summer school, which it begins you know, next week, what we have to do as a staff is we've got to dissect each player we've got to know his strengths and his weaknesses inside and out which might even include calling his aau coach might include calling his high school coach it has definitely included calling the prior staff and asking them their thoughts if they're willing to share them with us because when we do a player development plan we've got to show the player on tape what areas he needs to improve on, meaning watch himself. We want him to watch NBA players who they should emulate their game after, and then we've got to put forth the drills. So we want to accentuate a player's positives and his strengths. So if a guy's a three-point shooter, we want him to get a a multitude of three-point shots up still, but maybe that same player doesn't have a pump fake and escape dribble. And so now we've got to incorporate a pump fake that can lift the defense versus the hard closeouts. And then we've got to teach that same three-point shooter how to put the ball on the deck. Conversely, which is what we are here at Nevada, is we finished 350 out of 351 Division One schools at the bottom of three-point shooting. We have some guys that can really get to the cup, but only one team in the entire Division One basketball shot the ball worse from the three ball than we did so our plan of attack when we start skill development they're going to shoot so many threes that they they're not even going to believe it because we're going to tell them through reps through belief through tweaking your form a little bit you can become a good three-point shooter or at least a more improved three-point shooting team and so our locks to get in and out of the locker room we've changed the locker room code to what we shot from three because we're going to remind our guys daily over this 10-week period of summer of these two summer schools where we are and where we're going and then we're going to change those locks the key numbers to what we expect to shoot going forward once summer school's over i love that i love that that is uh i've always felt that uh you know, you spend as much time on growing as an individual, getting better, 
uh, you're a lifelong learner. As our friend Kevin Eastman says, you're, there's no off-season for you in learning. It's always on-season for Eric Musselman. Uh, we share that uh, as continuous learners. You have some unique things. You tweet some great stuff. Where do you pick up? And, and you, you know, for a guy that came from a limited education uh, background, I can say that uh, laughingly. Uh, <laughs> you know, going to the great University of San Diego, the Jesuit fathers were really happy to hear that. Uh, you know, you know, you know. Where did you pick up your interest besides your great mom of teaching you and uh, having this desire to learn and grow? You know, Brennan, what I do every day, I, I do an hour cardio seven days a week. If I took a flight right now to China before my head hit the pillow, I would read. I didn't go do an hour worth of cardio. So what I do every day is is before I leave tonight the office, I will print stuff from all different, you know, sports. Mainly it's got to be athletics. That's what I enjoy most. Um, but I'll just print you know, 50 pages. I'll throw it in my duffel bag. When I go work out, I'll pull it out. I have a highlighter with me, and I just start circling stuff. And uh, today I've already circled three different articles, highlighted it, and when our players come back, it'll be on their chairs. So one guy, wow. uh, there's an article on improvement. We have a, a freshman that we think he can make a big jump, and so I wanted him to read uh, about another player who made a huge jump in another sport based on just the off-season summer. And so we just try to, to read, pick new things up for our staff, pick things up for our players, always trying to motivate, learn, uh, come up with new ideas. Um, sometimes I'll just, you know, before I leave, I'll just type in a word, like uh, it might be leadership or it might be motivation or it might be uh, player development. And then I'll just print 15, 20 articles off on that subject, and that'll be – the subject matter of the morning reading, and then the next day I'll Google some, some other subject and, 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 and just continually try to learn. And, and really, Brendan, the, the, the couple years I was with you in Orlando, I mean, that came from Pat Williams, um, you know, who is an executive and, 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 and a guy who is constantly thirsty uh, for, for, for new things and new ideas and all the books he wrote. And so that really got me started on this quest to try to learn every day. It's huge, and it's really impactful. And uh, not just are you impacting your own players, which is great, you're impacting your own coaching staff. But frankly, uh, whether you know it or not, you're impacting thousands of coaches around the country and world. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. I look forward to it every day, you know, and I get a little pissed off if I don't, if you didn't tweet anything out that can help me that day. I almost said, well, come on. Well, you're doing the same. I'm reading all your stuff and stealing uh, stuff daily. Yeah, just give me credit for it one time and then it's yours after that, you know. Uh, you know, you ha you're in an amazing conference. People don't understand how good the Mountain West Conference is. It's it's really it's. I don't want to say it's underrated because every it's really good, and the teams have been really good. And uh, you know there are some teams there that have uh, like the conference, the American Conference that we're in, that have the resources that the best teams in the country have. Uh, how does one compete like? With that, I don't mean well, to, you know, yeah. it's the fact. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm just saying that it's a great conference. It's a, it's a great, great conference. 
Brennan the Mountain West is, and 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 I, I you know I I hope I'm getting this stat right. I think over the last six years, we've averaged 3.8 teams in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Pac-12 has averaged 3.6. How about so, that? You know, when you look at the Mountain West, uh, arguably, you know, the Pac-12, you could say, is the top conference in the in the western part of the United sure. States. Then the Mountain West uh, would be the next conference. And when you look at Wyoming, it's a really tough place to play, and they're Ooh. very well coached. And uh, UNLV has always been a place that's got great talent. And then San Diego State, the job that Steve Fisher's done is absolutely remarkable, sold-out building and the talent level and pro prospects and Boise State's a hard place to win and Larry Eustacey's one of the uh, toughest coaches to coach against in the entire nation and has proven uh, that he can win at all different places across the country and and uh, so it is a, a very very and, difficult. And our friends in New Mexico, right? Our friends in New Mexico. New Mexico. Craig Craig Neal's done a great job, and prior to him, Steve Alford. And so uh, this is a very very uh, high level conference with a lot of pro prospects playing in it, uh, and some teams or some schools, universities are are very very well funded, and and there is a variety range uh, in our conference from a funding standpoint. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the challenge. So how does, when you approach that job, you know, and stuff and, uh, you know, you'll have certain opponents that will charter every game. And for those of us that are listening and don't really understand that, that means that basically you have a private plane going to and from every game. It's a huge advantage. We have that in the NBA and obviously in the NFL and Major League Baseball and hockey, uh, where now it allows you to, you know, get home right after the game for kids to get, get back to class, et cetera. You're not going through airports and all that good stuff. Uh, we don't have any of that, for instance, and we're the second largest school in the country, you know, at UCF. Uh, but, you know, uh, whether you ha- there are teams in your conference that have that ability, correct? Yes, there are, for sure, Brendan. Yes. Yeah. And we're not and, one of them. <laughs> yeah. No, no, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's a very expensive proposition there. Uh, okay, so let's say you don't have – many of the resources, and that's what I meant by resources, not in a beautiful arena that you have to play in, et cetera. That's, that's great. Uh, how do you convince your players and your staff that we're going to balance things out? What, is your, what, are, you, what are you selling to your guys? Well, you know, like for not being able to take charters, I told our guys the other day, you know what, this is good because we get to bond with each other. And, like, you know, like we can only control what we can control, and when you get on a charter, as you, as you know, Brennan, you get on it, you get off, you're in your hotel, and, and it's easy and done. But teams that don't get to charter, guess what happens? You get up early in the morning, maybe mm-hmm. 6 a.m. You got to go take a flight. You got to change planes. You become tougher mentally. You're not soft. Uh, it prepares you for the real world. And while you're doing all that, you're doing it with your teammates. You're doing it with your yep. coaching staff, and you're going to end up with a tighter bond and and I can tell you without a question, the bond that I had with my NBA Development League guys yep. because of that was so much stronger. I didn't even see NBA guys except at practice and during the game half the time because of the lifestyle. And in the D League, we were together all the time. And so, you know what? That? We like we that. don't have we don't have some of the luxuries of some of the other schools. But you know what? we got some things that are really, really cool that are going to happen and be lifetime 
uh, you know, lifetime friendships and things that are going to happen uh, based on how we do things here at Nevada. I love that. I love that. That's a great way. Great way of sound. Eric, what's your biggest challenge going forward uh, with your guys going in this summer? What are, what are your expectations of what you're uh, hoping to do? I think, I know you, you know, two I'm hours th- a week, et cetera, you know, to develop guys for eight weeks and all. What are you going to try uh, yeah, to get? I, I, I think our biggest thing, Brennan, obviously we want to maximize the two hours a week we get out, we get to work with them eight out of the ten weeks, um, two hours a week. So we want to maximize that. And then we want them to be self-teachers. We want them to be self-coaches. In other words, those guys got to, they got to, they got to figure out what they're going to do when they're not with us. Um, and so it's really important, the leadership internally. And then obviously when you're coming off of a season, uh, like, 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 like Nevada had last year, which was nine and 22 and two of those wins against non-Division One schools, so seven wins against Division One schools. We got to build them up. We got to get them to believe in themselves because we believe in them, or we wouldn't be here. We think that that we got a core group coming back. That if we can get them to develop certain areas in their skills, uh, that, that that we can be a much improved basketball team next year. You know, not necessarily selling four years down the road, although we, we want to build this thing on a steady upward progression. Uh, but having said that, we want our guys to have great belief this year. And last year, uh, I think the smallest crowd here was like 4,200 in an 11,000-seat wow. arena. And so we want to get the fan interest back to where it was uh, when Mark Fox was here, when Trent Johnson was here. They had fabulous crowds oftentimes sold out in this building. And so we want the community of Reno to have great pride in the team. So are we going to set a win total this year? Probably not. But are we going to continually talk about the pride when we go in to the Reno-Tahoe airport? Every single time we have a flight out of town or a flight back into town, we want our community to be so proud of how hard we play. And that's going to be our main goal going into the season. My friend, that will happen because I know you so well. Uh, as a sidebar, I must, uh, I'm very biased towards Eric, uh, proud to say. Uh, his dad, uh, who I loved to death, uh, was a dear friend. And uh, you, my friend, have been a dear friend to me for the last 30 years. So I can't be more happy for you and what you're going to do there with the Wolfpack. And, uh, and your family is terrific. And I'm just so happy, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you during the season or after the season with another podcast to talk about how well you're doing. Eric, Brennan, thanks so much be, for visiting with us. Thank, thank you, Brennan, and it would be a pleasure. And I, I look forward to having you watch our team and help me coach. And you've always done that for however many years, the last 20, 30 years, and, and the friendship. When you ask why do you like to coach, it's, it's yeah. relationships like you and I have, why coaching is so powerful and so meaningful. Eric, thank you. Hey, listen, uh, you're such a great follow on Twitter. Why don't you just share uh, your Twitter uh, uh, ID, ID with them at Yep at Eric P. Musselman, uh, and then anybody that would want to email with any coaching or basketball questions, epmusselman at unr.edu. If we can share anything with anybody, whether it's drills or philosophical things, please don't hesitate to reach out.
Thanks, man. Hey, you're special, and you're going to do special things. I'm so pleased for you. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you.